Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Guardian. This morning, when you got out of bed, you probably had a shower. Hopefully used some soap, maybe some shampoo too. Cleaned your teeth with a blob of toothpaste. Then you might have made some breakfast. Perhaps you had toast. You washed up using detergent, chucked a chocolate bar in your bag to eat later on. All fairly normal. But lots of the things we eat and use every single day contain palm oil. Which is one of the major drivers of deforestation in some of the world's most biodiverse forests. The world demand to oil palm plantations products is killing all the forests in Indonesia. This is Mina Setra, an indigenous rights activist from Indonesia, and she's seen the devastation oil palm or palm oil is having on the country's forests. You know Kalimantan Islands and Sumatra Islands, right? There is two biggest islands in Indonesia. And now these two islands is start to sinking. Every time we have rainfall, it's flood. A long time ago, we don't have this problem. But now, easily flood because there's no more trees to protect. Today was dominated by what some are saying is a positive announcement on forests and land use. This is part of a new global forest finance pledge. What has been secured here at this COP26 is genuinely significant. But Mina was sceptical about the difference it would really make to action needed on the ground. Well, we, are, we appreciate that they have these commitments, but we have so many indigenous youth and women doing their own indigenous-based conservation projects. And we actually, we expect government recognize those and help us to upscale those actions. But I don't know. <laughs> From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Day three of COP. Can we save our forests?
Tuesday morning saw Boris Johnson, Joe Biden and other world leaders committing to halting and reversing global deforestation over the next decade. And today I'm announcing a new plan to conserve global forest. This plan is the first of its kind. There was also an appearance from Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos, who had to go all the way to space to get his environmental epiphany. Looking back at Earth from up there, the atmosphere seems so thin, the world so finite and so fragile. He also committed to making Amazon, the retail company that is, net zero by 2040 and pledged $2 billion towards conserving nature and indigenous peoples and cultures. Someone who has seen this degradation and deforestation a little closer is The Guardian's global environment editor, John Watts. Uh, well, it's been a story that's been going on for 20, 30 years, and it's a horror story of uh, beautiful natural environments uh, being ripped down, uh, initially by machines, but generally by fire, to clear land so that it's more economically productive. In other words, that it can be used for uh, cattle, or for soy or, or some other cash crop. And really the difference is the difference between life and death, between trees and concrete. You can keep making those kind of contrasts, but it's, it's very, very powerful contrast. What do these forests do for the health of the planet as a whole and everyone on it? You cannot overstate how important they are. The chemical composition of our atmosphere is, is partly determined by forests. Forests help to regulate the temperature. They're often called the world's lungs. That's actually wrong. They don't provide much oxygen for the world, but what they do do is draw down a lot of carbon. They're absolutely essential uh, as homes to biodiversity. That means homes to life, lots of forms of life. And all of those different forms of life interconnected create our world, our natural life support system. So, John, step us through this new deal that was announced today. So, this is a big breakthrough deal on forests. 114, I think, different nations have now agreed to completely eradicate deforestation by 2030 and even to begin restoration. That's a very big target. That will be a big ask, but it shows ambition. It also includes some money to put that in place, money from governments, but also money from the private sector coming together uh, at the moment about 14 billion. In addition, it's recognised that this money is not enough because for those who want to destroy the forest, the rewards are still much greater. So the idea is now that you put in place agreements on trade so that nations will only buy wood that is not connected to forest clearance. So you're really building all of this into your trade policies as well, and 20 nations have signed up to that. Were there no agreements before to protect the forests? And if there were, why haven't they worked? We've seen many agreements in the past. One of the biggest was in the New York Declaration of 2014, uh, when there was a promise to halt deforestation by 2030, words we're hearing again. We've had agreements at previous climate talks. We've had agreements and targets set in different biodiversity talks. But some of the things that are more hopeful this time are that there are more countries signed up, including uh, all of the 
big forest nations. That's hugely important. There's also, uh, you know, this, this really big declaration by world leaders, a very high-level agreement. And then that there is this additional support for indigenous communities, about 1.5 billion has been earmarked from mostly from private sector to try to help them secure land rights because it's been shown time and time again that the most cost-efficient way of protecting forests and sequestering carbon is just to give indigenous people secure land rights. This was something I heard when I went to go and speak to Chief Kokoi about deforestation in Guyana, a place known for its incredible rainforests. It would be wonderful if you could take us to the forests of Guyana, the sights and sounds, what it's like to be standing inside a forest. The biodiversity is very rich. You can find anything we have down there. The largest anacondas, the largest and eaters, the largest bird-eating spiders. And you wake up in the morning or during the course of the night, you can listen to what I call the, the indigenous band. To come into the city like here is a difference for us. You know, all you hear is, is the sound of engines. And the fact that these forests are so crucial to your culture, your livelihoods, I mean, what do they mean to you personally? The forest is our life. The forest is our universities. It is a supermarket. It is our parks. It is where we find all our medicinal herbs and whatever. So it's been really hard to protect your land, but now there's been this announcement to try and help you do just that. What do you make of it? I listen to the amount of money that's going to be given. How is it going to be managed? You cannot be sitting in the city in, surrounded by four walls and think that you know what is going on there. We live there. We live it on a daily basis. Talk with us. We are the people on the ground. I, I guess we are looked as a nuisance. We are blocking development. I have heard that before. We are not the problem. But we are the solution. And how you do you engage with the solution? You have to recognize indigenous people's rights. So, John, from forests to methane, which is another of the big announcements that's come out today, what's been announced around methane? 90 countries have come together and they've promised to reduce their methane emissions by at least 30% between 2020 and 2030. I'm announcing the next steps to reduce US methane emissions. One, through our Environmental Protection Agency that's going to reduce methane losses from new and existing oil and gas pipelines. And one, through the Department of Transportation to reduce wasteful and potential dangerous leaks from natural gas pipelines. They have authority over that area. Uh, why is this important? Well, methane is, is a key gas. It's much more potent. It does much more warming damage, if you like, to the atmosphere. But it lasts less time. So if you target methane, you can get really quick impact results. So the idea is that if we're going to get anywhere near 1.5, which is the big target we're all aiming at, then we need a sort of a jump start. And the way to do that is to work really hard and put a lot of attention very quickly on methane, and then hopefully buy the world a little bit more time. So 
we've had this big forest deal, we've had a methane announcement, and we've also had another big announcement on making green tech cheaper. A first set of global goals under this agenda that aim to make clean technologies the most affordable, John, this seems like a lot. Is this a normal day at COP? It isn't. That is a lot of nice-sounding promises in one day. So I think, I think this has all been carefully scripted to kind of get the conference off to a strong start. But I think we've really got to be careful. What this COP should be about is not just making more promises. The real purpose of this COP, the real purpose of Glasgow, is for concrete details. That's where the rest of this two weeks should really kick in. The leaders of the world may have left or are leaving COP now, but I can tell you that the eyes of the world, the eyes of the populations of the world are on you and the eyes of the British government and all the other governments that care about this are on our negotiators and we have your numbers. As Boris Johnson handed over the baton to the negotiators and got on a private plane back to London, my colleague Nina Lakani headed down the road to an event that put into sharp focus just how deadly fighting the climate crisis can be. It was a memorial event for land and environmental activists who had lost their lives defending the resources we all depend on. The numbers are sobering. We have just seen the names of a thousand and five land defenders and environmental activists, one in three of whom were indigenous people who have been murdered since the Paris Accords were signed at the end of 2015, who have been killed for trying to save the planet, for trying to fight against climate change, for trying to ensure that their communities have clean water and clean air and um, the right to continue existing on their lands. And as climate crisis gets worse, this violence against Indigenous people in land and environmental defenders is getting worse. In 2020 was the most deadly year so far, with over 200 people murdered and half of those people were Indigenous defenders. So here at this event, um, the celebrations today for the announcement when the COP are being rejected completely um, and they're really urging people inside of COP, world leaders, to come and listen to what they're saying outside of, you know, the, the sort of meeting rooms and the um, negotiations because their people are dying every day for trying to save, um, you know, for trying to defend the environment, for trying to fight against the climate crisis. That's all for today. To keep up with our daily COP episodes, subscribe to Science Weekly on your preferred podcast app and head to theguardian.com for the stories as they happen. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson, 
Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.